This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash ev9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is a broad-spectrum probiotic and prebiotic formulated with 24 scientifically validated strains for whole-body benefits, engineered for maximum delivery to your colon, helping to support a healthy heart, maintain optimum cholesterol balance and lipid metabolism, as well as reinforce an optimal gut-skin access to promote clear skin. Visit seed.com Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 29th of August to the 4th of September. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by our reviews editor, Paul Manny. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzy. Hey, this is going to be a good week. Oh, is it? Great. So let us know, why is it going to be such a good week? What's your recommendations for the week? Well, one of the things I like is that sometimes we have weeks where we feel as though it's all in the morning or it's all in the evening. This mm-hmm. week, we've got a mixture of both. <laughs> that makes a nice change, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's, but often it's because of the moon. So we're following the moon as it passes certain items. But sometimes we get other events taking place as well. So we're going to start off, as you say, on August the 29th. Now, this is a challenge because you know, there's two challenges here. First of all, it is a really slim crack crescent moon mm-hmm. low down in the western evening twilight roughly about 8 20 you've got to bear in mind that you know depending on your location that time will slightly vary sort of thing as to the best time to see it and the reason why i mentioned that is that there's not just the slim crescent moon five degrees below it or not quite six degrees is mercury now mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Mercury, when it's in this time of year and it's an evening apparition, it's usually a pretty awful apparition. It's very low. It hugs the horizon. So whether you will see Mercury is a 
big question. Uh, I would use binoculars, but the one thing I must say, because it's in the evening twilight and it's not too long after the sun has set, you must make sure the sun is out of the way. So if it means you miss Mercury this time, but get the crescent moon, the crescent moon is well worth seeing and you'll have Earth shine with it as well. So as I say, that's almost due west. It's right over in the western sky. So once the sun sets, that is always the golden rule, isn't it? Make sure the sun's out of the way. Then have a search. See if always. you can see the crescent moon. And I say around about sort of thing, I've got it from around about quarter past to 20 past eight. You might get a glimpse of Mercury as well. But as I say, this is a really poor apparition of Mercury in the evening sky. But I like challenges. I mean, you know, life is all about challenges, isn't it? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is one of those where it's worth having a go. I think you'll definitely get the crescent moon. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's always ephemeral, isn't it? This, this, this ghostly sliver of light sort of thing. So, uh, you know, so that's worth getting. So if you don't get Mercury, we'll, you should get the moon anyway. So there we are. So that's, that's the 29th. We go on to the 30th. We, it's the morning sky. Yeah. We flip straight back to the morning, <laughs> but it's the next morning and you want to be looking around about 4 a.m. As such, when it's still dark, if you leave it a bit later, you'll get the twilight sky, which is quite pretty, I have to say. You know, the, the planets and the, the remaining bright stars in the twilight can have their own sort of uh, allure as well. But Mars lies between the Pleiades, Messier 45, and the Hyades and Aldebaran. It's a bit closer to the Hyades and Aldebaran, but it's almost in a line. And I love lineups like that, you know, <laughs> when you've got prominent objects. You I'm know, sure our regular listeners know how much you like your lineup, but it's always good. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's always a good excuse to look at these things that that move through our night sky. Exactly, and uh, this one of the things that uh, I mean, a lot of the time these planets are moving against a fairly drab backdrop of faint stars. So when it gets passing between two major clusters. Messier 20, uh, Messier uh, 45, and of course the Hyades, uh, with the red eye of the bull, Aldebaran staring at you as well. So I think it's, it's always eye catching and actually makes an interesting sequence. So if you, if you sort of like started last week, if you remember our conversation last week, um, it was approaching and going under the Pleiades. Well, of course you can take a sequence of pictures showing Mars passing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it shows the motion of the solar system against the backdrop of stars. So, uh, we've also got the bonus that Uranus is actually off to the right. Now, as it's rising at four o'clock, that position means Uranus is off to the right, almost level with the Pleiades. Of course, that will gradually change as they rise higher into the sky. So we've also still got the planet planetary parade. And, and Stuart, in the September issue of the Sky at Night magazine, uh, actually talks about the planetary parade and how we should see it. So uh, make sure you get your issue out now. And uh, it's the actual, we've got Saturn, now that's moved into the evening sky because opposition was just the other week. So we've got Saturn in the evening sky. We've also got Vesta. We've got Neptune and Jupiter up next. And then if you want to stay up until twilight starts, you've got Venus rising at about 5 a.m. just at the start of morning twilight. So you haven't just got Mars passing between the Pleiades and the Hyades. You've also got this planetary parade going on as well. So uh, plenty to look out for. And I say uh, Stuart covers it extremely well in the, the latest issue of the magazine. Now, we can sweep, swap back to the evening. Yes, something more convenient, isn't it? <laughs> Don't have to get up for this one or set the alarms as such. I'm, mm. I'm terrible like that. I really have to stay out because mm. if I set an alarm, I'll just knock the alarm off and go back to sleep. Sort of thing. I'm, I'm lazy like that. There terrible is, like, astronomer, when really. It's, when it's, <laughs> it's 
three or four in the morning, sometimes it is just easier to stay up. <laughs> it is, you know. Not necessarily and- as comfortable the next day. But <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, as we're recording this, I was out till four. Well, I got to bed at 4 a.m. Uh, and, and my body was saying, you need to go to bed sort of thing. Get to bed, you silly mm-hmm. devil. Um, yes. But I, but the views you get in the morning sky, the atmosphere is often a lot calmer and the views can be much more, the more crystal clear. You know, it's the way it's mm-hmm. the atmosphere it settles down more. So it's gorgeous. But back to the evening sky and we've got a comet. Now, Comet Panstars, we've mentioned over the last few weeks, it's been gradually dropping down from Ophiuchus towards Scorpius. And now, uh, nine o'clock in the evening, over in the southwest, Scorpius is a lovely asterism. It's lovely, the main shape sort of thing. It's a pity we can't see all of it from the UK because we lose the sting below the horizon. Never mm. rises for us. But the main body of the scorpion, I, mean, I always think this is a great little asterism that we can, it's quite prominent. You've got Antares there. Uh, you've got uh, quite a, a curved line of stars uh, to its right. And one of those, in actual fact, is Delta Scorpii, which is Deshuba. I always never know whether you pronounce that right, Deshuba, or whether you're sneezing. <laughs> it does sound a bit like that. But this is where it's, it's great when you've got a faint object next to a bright naked eye star because the star guides you to the object because we've got Comet C2017 K2 Pan Stars. Now, the current estimate will put it about magnitude plus 6.7. So it should be visible in binoculars and it'll be just to the right of the bright naked eye star, Deshuba, which itself is magnitude plus 2.3. So you can't mistake them. I mean, the, the star is <laughs> a huge amount brighter than the comet. And the comet is moving southwards. So sadly, literally within the next couple of weeks, it will be gone. So uh, for Northern Hemisphere observers. So this is your time to get hit. And if you haven't seen it so far, having a bright star guided to it is absolutely perfect. So do get that. And I say that's on the evening of the 30th, August the 30th. Now, we switch back almost to the morning sky. It's, it's midnight, the 31st into the 1st of September. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. Mars has moved a little bit. So we know that because Mars is gradually moving to the left. It's moving eastwards as we see it. Further to the east, we have the constellation of Origa. Now, we often talk about how the meteors, they, we, we always talk about the zenith hourly rate, and often if it's very minor, we, we, we sort of infer that you shouldn't bother. And I think perhaps we're, we're probably doing the, the, the meteor showers a disservice, mm. because as long as you're out there, if you're observing, you should look out, because that night is the peak of the Origids meteor shower. Now, the, the actual radiant is close to Delta Origa itself. And although the ZHR is only six, which <laughs> that's the perfect condition directly above you under absolutely crystal clear, black skies, that no is, light pollution. That is not a lot. That is <laughs> not, not high. <laughs> but the key is when you, you know the comet is associated, the, the, sorry, the meteor is associated with a particular shower because it radiates from that spot. So if you have a meteor, you could be out there at the right time and then see, say, a meteor flash past Mars and then you realise you can track it back close to Delta mm-hmm. Origa. And if you can, even though you may only get that one, you'll have seen an Origid. 
So I sometimes think we should, you know, probably encourage a little bit more observation, not just of the major showers, some of the minor ones as well, because you never know. If you, and if you're out there looking at Mars and Uranus and the parade of the planets, just keep an eye out for this one. It is a very minor shower, but uh, as it's the peak and the moon is a very slim crescent in the evening, so it's not going to cause problems because uh, this is around about midnight. So worth trying. You never know. And if yeah. you see it, you've added another meteor shower mm-hmm. to your tally. And if uh, anybody happens to manage to catch a picture of it, um, of maybe one of the Origids going past uh, Mars or the Pleiades or the Hyades, uh, please do let us know. Um, We always love to see them. Uh, You can find details of how to submit your images at www.skyatnightmagazine.com. And that is on the 31st of August to the 1st of September. So mark that date in your diaries. Yes, it's quite a sharp peak as well. So Mm -hmm. it really is. You get it that night and that's probably it. Now, dropping to that following evening, September the 1st, we find our moon. We mentioned it's a crescent, but it's directly below, really close to Alpha Libra, which is Zuban El Ganubi. I always love these long names and these (laughs) almost tongue twisters. It's magnitude 2.7. It's a double star. So, you know, it's well worth looking at on its own anyway. Mm-hmm. Both will fit nicely in the view of binoculars. This is the moon and the actual star itself. So, uh, depending on the size of your binoculars, you might even see the actual star as double, which is worth having a look at. Now, the next night, the moon lies to the right of Comet Panstars. Now, this is where the moon can be a bit of a hindrance because it's building up its phase now. So, there's a lot more light. So, with a faint comet and the moon quite close to it, mm, I don't know. That's why it's better to get the comet early than leaving it till later. And of course, I say within a couple of weeks, we'll have lost the comet. Mm-hmm. Then on the 3rd of September, the first quarter moon will lie to the upper left of Antares, which is the heart of the scorpion. So you'll get that comment whereby somebody may notice in the evening sky and they say, hey, what's that star below the moon? And for once, instead of saying, hey, that's a planet, we'll be able to say, yeah, that is a genuine star. It is <laughs> Antares, the red star in Antares. So there we are. So, so that's a nicely in the evening sky. So I mentioned that we flip from the evening to morning sky. So let's end in the morning sky on September the 4th. Now you want to be looking between 4.30 and 5am, just as twilight starting. Now Venus will be rising. I'm not going to talk about that. No, I want to draw your attention to something else. Because as it's in Leo, we've got the dwarf planet series, the first asteroid to ever be discovered. Of course, it's been downgraded to this dwarf planet. It lies half a degree south of galaxy NGC 2903 in Leo, low towards the east-northeast. Now, Ceres is magnitude 8.7, whilst the galaxy is magnitude 8.8. So you'd think, oh, they're, they're a tenth of magnitude between them, they'll, they'll be easy. No. The galaxy is a diffuse object, so that 8.8 light is actually spread over a slightly larger area. It technically makes it look fainter. So the asteroid, uh, Dwarf Planet series, will actually be a point source. It'll look like a dot and be slightly brighter than the galaxy. But it's a great opportunity for astrophotographers and visual observers to see this minor world as it moves past this galaxy. And I always like this galaxy. It's, it's the galaxy Messier Mist. Because Mm. this galaxy is brighter than most of the messier objects in Leo. So it's just Mm. one of those things. But it wasn't in his zone where he was scanning to find it. If it had been, he would have picked it up. So it's one of those things. Of course, if you don't manage to get that, 
there is Venus rising as well. And that's <laughs> always a glorious sight, but it's very low down and you will need a really clear, uncluttered horizon. We're often mentioning this, unfortunately. Some of these things happen, and you need a really good horizon. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's well worth having it. So if you don't get the uh, minor planet, uh, we get dwarf planet series, well, you've always got Venus to fall back on as well. Of course, as long as it's clear. (laughs) Because knowing our look, there'll be low haze, because that's something that can cause a big problem. So there we are. So around about 4.30 to 5 a.m., you've got a minor planet, and you've also got Venus as well both in leo so there we are is it another great week yeah it certainly does sound like there's some great things to see out there this week um i think my particular highlight is probably going to be trying to see mars as it passes by the pleiades and the hyades maybe even getting a meteor in there as well um, which will be happening on the august the 31st hopefully our listeners have found something there that'll appeal to them and we hope to see you again next week if you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month be sure to pick up a copy of bbc sky at night magazine where we have a 16 page pullout sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our Sky Guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes, or Spotify. 